It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special season preview edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. I am John Schmelk. The first of three of the Giants coordinators will be joining us on today's podcast. First, we'll have Mike Kafka. Wink Martindale will join us next, and then Thomas McGahee will wrap us up as the Giants get ready for their 2022 season. We're recording these on a Thursday. Is this your first ever Thursday day off? Do you like it? I do. It gives you an extra time to kind of prep, kind of, you know, review some extra things with the staff. It's It's been a nice day. Yeah. And I'm sure it's been a fun week, right? You've been working with Coach Dable to put the offense together. You've been working with Daniel Jones to put the offense together. But it's a little bit different when you're game planning for an opponent, right? So let's start with Daniel first. What has it been like working with Daniel as you're getting ready for this opponent and having your back and forth to figure out what you want to do? Yeah, it's it's been great. We've had great communication really all camp. Um, so really kind of figuring out what he really likes, if it matches with the defense we're going against. I think that's important. And then, you know, making sure we have enough stuff for all the skill guys we have on our team. How much did you guys peak at Tennessee before this week? You can be honest. It's okay. Yeah. Oh, you know, I think, you know, it's always kind of, you know, you're taking it day by day throughout training camp, but you also know that you got this, you know, this this game plan that's got to come up. So you start peeking at it, you start chipping away. Maybe you found some things in the summer that you liked that you wanted to pull and install and get a look at. And, you know, I think, you know, you always kind of have a thought versus those first few opponents. How much – I mean, you have to, I guess, but how much mystery does the first game of the season bring to this? Now, yeah. Rabel's been there a while. He does what he does, so you yeah. could probably use the past seasons more than for other matchups, yeah. but how much of an unknown is it because it is that first game of the year? Yeah, I think any – yeah, the, the, the opener, regardless, tough, is always right? there's always a little bit of um, – you know, they're, they're going to give you a different wrinkle that they've shown on tape. They give you something new. I'm, I'm sure they're probably expecting kind of the same thing from us, some kind of wrinkle. So, yeah, of course, there's always that. You just got to give our guys enough answers, give them, a, you know, a plan and a, and a kind of a framework to work within and, and have enough answers versus all the stuff they could do. You know, Brian David talked about how, you know, it's a collaborative process to play calling. You said that at mm-hmm. the press conference yesterday too. But I thought what was interesting to me is that he pointed out that he wants to be collaborative with the play calling more during the week than on game day, right? Mm-hmm. Can you explain to fans, because there's so little time between plays, it's really hard for them to say, can yeah. you run this and have a conversation between downs? Yeah. So how does that collaboration work with you and Coach Dable and putting the game plan together during the week so when you get to game day, he's yeah. heavily involved yeah. even if he's not talking to you game day about it? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. No, there, there's a lot of communication. I mean, we're watching a bunch of film. Really, the whole staff is. Everyone's bouncing ideas off each other. I have a big kind of grease board in my office that we just everyone's writing up plays, drawing up ideas, um, and then you know as the as the plan kind of comes along, there's always that constant communication. Hey, I'm liking this. Have you you know how do you want to set this formation? How do you want to set this person in this spot? So there's just a lot of that um, over the last few days, right? So that's that's really the process you go through, and then comparatively through what you're doing like in training camp, um, you know I think you're kind of putting in the base stuff, then now you want to make add extra little tweaks to it that fits this defense. And then when you get to game day, you know, things are happening so fast that it's hard to um, to really, hey, run this play or run that play because, like, the play is already typically in or after as soon as that the first play is over with. Like, you got to kind of stay a play ahead. So, and then a lot of the communication for that is probably done in between series right. where hey, I like this thought, I like this thought put together kind of a little mini um, game plan for how we're going to attack the next series. As someone that was on the other end of the coach to quarterback communication as a player, 
did it catch you by surprise at how fast it has to go for the play caller in between plays once you were the guy with the headset yeah, on? It really kind of hit me as I started coaching. I was a graduate assistant. I was at Northwestern, and I was a signaler. Oh. And so, like, I was on the field signaling to the players. One of those and getting guys lined with the, up. He had, like, a different colored hat. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I'm, you know, dancing on, you know, dancing on the sideline, doing all these signals. But um, that's when I first really realized it. And then when I got into Kansas City and, you know, just hearing just, you know, how that thing operates. And obviously now calling plays, it just ramps up even more. Yeah, I, I imagine that's fun yeah. too, right? Having to stay ahead, and that's why I think the preparation during the week is so important, right? So you, yeah. that you know, people make fun of the coaches holding the diner menu, right? Because it's just gigantic <laughs> thing in front of their face, but that thing's really broken down by situation, right? And that's yeah. why it's so big. So all right, well we're in third and seven plus. All right, here's mm -hmm. my menu, and that's, right. that's a that's a smaller menu, and that's why it, it's kind of such a big card, right? That's right, right. You try to organize it best you can to where your eyes can find certain plays in certain situations. No question about it. I feel like you've been asked every question about Daniel Jones possible over the last three or four months. Mm -hmm. And I sat here for like 40 minutes yesterday. I'm like, well, what can I ask him that's different? So I'm going to be very vague with you. <laughs> Tell us something about Daniel that maybe we don't know. <laughs> well, what I do know is there's a big um, Northwestern Duke game coming up this weekend, oh, which right. which has been a good uh, – so we got a gentleman's bet, but it's been a big point of contention, you know, this last week. But, no, Daniel's been a great kid. And, honestly, he's grown within the offense so much. Um, that first day where we just throw so much at him formationally, like verbiage-wise, protection-wise. I mean, he's just grown so much. I, I'm just – I'm proud of the where he's – you know, from where he's been to where he's at now. And I think, you know, I think for him as a player and us as an offense, I think we're starting to peak at the right time. And um, I think when, when we, you know, kind of really define what we're going to be on offense and, and show what we can do you know, on Sundays. It seemed like there was a point in camp where, and again, you are obviously know what the play call is and you're evaluating mm -hmm. different than we are. We're just looking at the results a lot of the times. But yeah. it did seem like during camp there was a point where you could almost see it start to click. The decisions were being made faster. The ball was mm -hmm. getting out quicker. When did you see and in what areas did you see that tangible progress when you got really the pads on and started going during camp in the yeah. summer? Yeah, I mean, I think every single day it just got a little bit better. And Maybe the maybe the percentage wise wasn't, but mm -hmm. you can see his eyes getting to something a little bit quicker. You can see his feet quicken up a little bit quicker. Um, so I think those are the little things that, as a coach, that I look for, and that's progress. Whereas maybe not everyone would see that, but that's I, why I asked you, right? right. And so I, I look at those type of little things, and okay, okay, we start putting those little things together. All of a sudden, you look back in in training camp. A week's time is like a month's time in real. You know, what I mean? like it's it's just there's so much volume within a week of practice in training camp that those little things add up so quickly. And so I think when you stack those kind of days over and over and over again, you know, you kind of look back and go, wow, look, like you look back at like, you know, day one or day two and you're at day 12 and you're like, wow, look how much different your feet are, look how much different your eyes are. And those, those are just little things that you can see improve on, improvement on that I'm, I'm proud of him for general offensive philo philosophical approach. You know, mm -hmm. people talk about the importance of third downs and it's very yeah. important, but there's also an emphasis now on just avoiding third downs, right? Yeah. Why are we – we don't want to be in a third and three. We want to gain right. 12 yards on second down, right? right? But at the same time, if you go about it that way, you might get into more third and tens, right? Because mm -hmm. you have two incomplete passes on first and second down. Sure. So how do you balance that, and what's your general offensive approach and philosophy in regards to attacking early versus, you know, depending on third down, stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I think you got to have flexibility for both. you got to be able to, um, you know, obviously skip third downs. You want to be able to skip third downs as much as you can. And that usually means you're doing pretty good on first and second down or on first and second down, setting yourself up for a favorable third down. Sure. 
So, you know, those third and five or less. So, I mean, those are just staying, we call staying in the green, you know, staying in the green, um, being able to still, you know, not limit yourself from a play caller standpoint where, all right, now it's second and 10. What's the defense thinking? Probably pat Like, you, you want to be able to give yourself at least a chance to where you, they have to honor the run, they have to honor the play action, they have to honor the pass. And so, you know, you want to stay in those favorable situations, which we call the green. And I know college is a big way like this with the wide side of the field and, you yeah. know, and the boundary side. How much has football just become kind of a numbers game now where mm-hmm. you just want to get your numbers advantage, whether it's yeah. personnel type yeah. or just player position on the field and just yeah. taking advantage that's, of those that's, things? That's what we spend so much time with um, in, you know, during, the game, during the game planning week. So much time of you know, where are we putting our guys in these spots because this you know, primary people for the primary spots, that's what we focus on so much. So – no, yeah, it's all about that for us. Is it fun to have a wide receiver room? And I always joke about this with Kenny, where it's kind of like a basketball team, right? <laughs> you have the point guard in Wandell. Yeah. You got the center in Kenny. You got the way you Kadarius can do a little bit of everything. Yeah. He's like your small forward. Is that an advantage yeah. for an offensive coordinator, having yeah. guys that have the Absolutely. various skill sets? A bunch of different skill sets and a um, bunch of different strengths. So, again, you can move those guys around and continue to you know develop on someone's strengths and maybe cover up someone's weaknesses. So there's – there's definitely a lot of flexibility and, you know, being able to move those pieces around. It's not, it's a pretty good deal. I know coaches hate when they have to move offensive linemen around, you know, guys mm-hmm. in different spots and you can't get continuity. Yeah. Do you feel like you're in a pretty good spot, even though that left guard spot has kind of been a merry-go-round yeah, for the I, last I, half of camp? I really, I really like where that group's at. You know, there's, there's good veteran leadership there. I think those guys are, you know, as a room, you know, I think they're, they're gelling at the right time. I think they all, they all kind of know, like they all kind of know and trust each other, which is, I think is the most important thing. Whether you're moving guys around and guys are in and out, um, battle injuries and all that. So I think the more you have trust as a group, as a unit, I think that's what's the most important. And they do. What are they doing really well right now? You know, it, yeah. is it, you have pass pro. Then you know, people talk about the run game, but yeah. zone blocking is much different than the gap stuff, the pulls yeah. and things like that. So what is the offensive line you think right now really doing well? That could be a strength for them. I think what they're doing right now is they're communicating. I think outside of just scheme, because mm-hmm. that's a whole other thing, I think right now they're doing a good job of communicating. And um, from those front five guys being all on the same page, that's what's going to get the whole play started, run, pass, screen, like whatever, all of those concepts. So as long as they're all on the same page, we can kind of um, live and die as one, as long as they're all talk, like they're all working to the same guy they're on the same page, I think we'll, we'll be fine. How important is it? You know, a lot of teams are like, you know, they're going to run zone 80% of the time. Right? Mm-hmm. But watching you guys in the preseason games, there was a yeah. mix, the inside yeah. zone, outside zone, you were pulling the center around a yeah. couple of times, right? Is it important for you and your scheme to be able to run the ball in different yeah. ways depending on the fronts the defense shows? Yeah, and, and Coach Coach Bobby Johnson does a great job. Coach Tony does a great job as well. He's kind of putting those schemes and kind of packaging them uh, nice and tight for us. So they, they do a great job with that. And, you know, I think it's helped – it's helped our offensive line kind of having kind of um, a selection of different schemes that we're not just one. We're not just on one thing. You know, we have some multiplicity to how we want to attack defenses. Give Giant fans a taste of what you left in your bag that they didn't see in preseason games. That maybe we saw in the practice field. We can't talk <laughs> about those, but they haven't seen that you kind of still have in your bag. Of you know, I, I'm going to keep them in the bag until until Sunday. No peek. No peeking no peek. right now. No peeking right now. <laughs> I appreciate uh, it. No, no problem. <laughs> Titans, uh, really quick, what's the challenges of their defense? They got a really tough front. Yeah. But, and I'll tell you what, young corners, but really mm. talented corners, and then Absolutely. kind of two veteran safeties that can help them out a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. I mean, really at every level, the, the, the deep end, 
you know, the linebacker level and then the front four, all those guys are, you know, pro bowl, all pro caliber players. So um, it, it's going to be, it's going to be a good challenge for us. You know, um, they do a lot of things. Well, they do, they mix up a lot of different coverages, they have a good pressure package. Um, they do a lot of things well. So we'll have to be, make sure that we got, you know, the right schemes up and that our guys are playing fast. Final question. How often have you gotten home at night, maybe popped open a adult beverage, sat on the couch, and then all of a sudden you get the FaceTime from Dave's wanting to <laughs> add emotion to some random play that you worked earlier. Oh, that in the happens day. all the time. That happens all the time. Anytime, any time of day. Is yeah. it fun? Do you like it? Oh, it, it's great. I mean, that you love that part of it where the creativity, adding it, creating another advantage. Um, and our players do a great job of adjusting to those type of things too. A lot of times we might not talk about a, an adjustment up until we get out in the field and you know what, let's add this to it. And it like players are like, cool, it sounds good. Like they've been great in adjusting on the fly. And, um, you know, that's, that's special. I think that's, that's not just, that doesn't just happen everywhere. You know, a lot of guys, you know, they're kind of timid when it comes to the, the adjustments and don't like change a lot, but our guys have been great with those kind of adjustments. Mike, we can't wait to see you guys out there and yeah. finally play some real football, man. Yeah, Thanks so thank much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mike Kafka, Giants offensive coordinator. That's Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka. Giant fans, don't forget, Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats, and guys, the season's starting just a couple weeks. Starting at just 100 bucks, call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. And now we'll turn our attention to the defense, and we're joined by Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. Wink! How you doing? We're talking on a Thursday. And it's an off day. Is this a, is a little weird for you? Yeah, it's a little different. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely a little different. But you know, that's all part of it. Getting ready to go. You know, I, the the game tonight will yeah. get everybody's juices flowing. You know that it's 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 here. The season's here, and 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 uh, I can't wait to get it started. I enjoy listening to, to the coaches talk and trying to figure out how you guys think about the sport. And I've kind of developed a little theory with you. I'm going to throw it at you. I'm going to okay. see what you think. So. I know you're a basketball guy. You like basketball. And basketball's kind of turned into a positionless game, right? Right. And the way you talk about your guys on defense a lot, I feel like you really don't care what position they play. You care about what techniques and role they can execute. And then safety, I'll put up the line of scrimmage. I don't care. Is that a fair way to describe how you yeah, kind of view your players? I, I think it's a fair way to describe it. it uh, I, you know, I think really you're right on it. It's uh, – to me, the game of, uh, in the NFL is to become matchups just like the NBA. And so, you know, you're going to try to get your best match out the, matchup out there to, to take away their best guy that they think is a matchup guy. So I know people made a, a big deal about the team, you know, letting go of Blake Martinez. And, and you spoke about that with the media. We're not going to get back into that. But when you take a look then at the role, you mentioned in the press conference that, look, we can use safeties in that spot depending right. on the situation. So when you look at that safety position, is that really now – almost the the jack of all trades position on an NFL defense given the different sizes, speeds and athleticism of the guys that can be at that spot. Yeah, I think that, you know, the first thing we look for is is someone who's smart and a great communicator. So that could be from the safety position, that could be from the linebacker room as well, but a great communicator that is smart. And uh, you know, today just the way the game is come around, you know, with college and everything else and all the seven-on-seven seven tournaments that mom and dad are taking their kids to sure. ever since they were in seventh grade, that's just the bigger pool of players to choose from. And, uh, you know, and, and you're seeing it, you know, trickle down to the, you know, everything's relative, but it's, it's coming to the NFL game as well. 
I mean, heck, if you look at the safeties you guys had coming into the league 10 years ago, that's what the linebackers look like now. I mean, how no, many 220-pound no. linebackers do you have coming out of college now? It's crazy. It is. It is. And it's, it's one of those things, too, that, you know, the, the old school, you know, first and second down linebacker is going the way of the Buffalo because, you know, the offenses with all the different formations and personnel they have, they can formation them right out, right out of the game. And, and, and really attack that player, you know. So it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, just try to stay a step ahead of the way the offense is going. And, you know, I think we do a, a good job of doing that. I was going right. to say decent, but actually we do a good job doing that. I'm going to put the lab coat on you. Okay. Instead of Dr. Frankenstein, you can be Dr. Linebacker. Okay. If, if I put you in the lab and you had to build from scratch, like the perfect off-ball inside linebacker in the modern NFL, what would that guy look like and what would his skill set be? Well, it all depends which one, you know what I mean? Because, like, when you're talking about dimes and wills, those could be safety-type players. <clears throat> you know, How about six, this? A guy you would want to be able to have on the field on every down at all times that you can trust to do a lot of different things that you want your defense to accomplish. Well, 6'4 with length and can run the 4'5". So, you know, we want somebody who can run and, and, and react to all the different things that you get it thrust at him during a game. So, you know, I, I, I think that uh, – I'm excited to see Tay play, you know, in there uh, against Tennessee and this season because I, I think he he has the body type to to be that that Mike linebacker for us. Yeah, so I guess my follow up would then be that you know, a lot of people and, and you're someone that is very concerned with physicality and stuff like that. So size really isn't as important as long as they bring that toughness of physicality along with whatever size they bring to the table, right? Right. I think when you're building a defense too, if you're going to have small linebackers, you better have a big front. And if you have a smaller front, then you got to have bigger linebackers, you know. But you know, Buddy Ryan always used to say, "There's a place for a small linebacker, and it's behind a, a, a good big one." And when you have Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, those are two good guys to oh, be behind, right? Oh, no doubt, no doubt. I'm I'm really excited to see those guys. How did having and you, I guess you kind of right halfway answered the question, but having those two guys in the middle like that, and you can move Leonard around obviously right, too, right. that you can depend on to do what you need to do. How does that? give you more flexibility to do different things behind that. Well, like you said, you can move uh, Leonard around. You can also move Dex around. Sure. Mm -hmm. Dex is one of the one of the well both of them are smart. I mean, they're really smart and they know the defense. They they know the ins and outs of it already. Uh you know, they've come to me with ideas that are good and uh I, I just it's it's going to be fun, you know, moving those guys around. The biggest thing is is we got to play well on first and second down so we can have fun moving them around on third down and third and you know second and long and all those situations you know so um you know it, it's it's an exciting time for us just to see like i said yesterday in the press conference of all 11 playing together you know we've seen it in practice but i'm saying see it in a game and see see us getting that rhythm i'm going to circle back to some bigger <clears throat> picture stuff but you okay. just led into a, another question you know you mentioned yesterday that Ryan Tannehill and the Titans, one of the best play-action teams in the league, right? Right, right, right. So you got to worry about that. But at the same time, you have this 245-pound freak show running at you. Right. And you also have to stop the run. And if you look at the numbers, they were, I think, on first and 10 last year, they had the highest run percentage in the whole league at over 60%. So how do you balance then trying to take care of your business to Derrick Henry, but at the same time being on alert for that play action where they can really bust you for some big plays on early downs. Well, that's the, that's the respect that I have, you know, for the Titans and why they were the number one seed in the AFC last year is because Vrabel has his core beliefs and you see them every Sunday and they don't waver from them. And I love that, you know, going against a team like that and also seeing that as a coach because 
he knows what he wants to do and he knows what he wants it to look like. And uh, that, that's a great challenge in itself. But, you know, like yesterday, uh, uh, you know, we've, we've had our losses against them in the past. We also had our wins. Sure. And no one wants to talk about that, you know. You know, you know I'm saying, you know, in the media-wise because building up to this game. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to see, see this, take this group down there, and, you know, and, and our, co- our group of coaches and uh, the, the group on defense. So it, it's going to be fun to, to just see really, really where you're at. We were having a good conversation on our Big Blue Kickoff live show with Howard Cross, former Giants mm-hmm. tight end, and we were talking about the impact of physicality on the game. You know, we like to put numbers on everything, right? Analytics, yards per, per play, all that sort of stuff. From a coaching perspective, how do you see a team's physicality impact the game on the field? Where You know, you can't put numbers to it, but you see how a, your opponent reacts to it, whether defensively or offensively. When you know your team's being physical, what's the impact that you see from your opponent? Well, analytically uh, speaking, picking back, picking off of the, or going back to your last question, sure. the play-action pass is the best thing an offense can do. Absolutely. All right, analytically speaking. But if you're tough and you're physical going into that game, there's not a whole lot of analytical things you can put to it except they stop the run, they get off the field on third down, they hit your quarterback or make him get rid of it faster than any other opponent that you play, and and we've been good at that in the past, and I expect us to be good at it now. Anything that you learned about your team once you got the pads on this summer and gotten to some preseason games and your players and your roster that maybe you thought you knew but you weren't quite sure about when you're doing the shorts and t-shirt stuff? Yeah, I mean the the you're not real sure on how they're going to play knockback uh, football up front. And set the edges. And I thought, uh, you know, all, all preseason that, you know, uh, Drew and, you know, Wilkins with the outside backers, I thought they set, set the edge well in the run game. And I thought we played well, you know, with Dre and, and B. Cox, you know, up front with knockback. And I was really pleased with that. And I thought the, the, the linebacker room, the inside linebacker room played better when we got the pads on than what they did, in, you know, shirt and shorts. Now, a lot of that's youth, too, you know, with those linebackers. But when the, when the game hit, you, you, you really saw them and some of their playmaking ability. You mentioned Tay already. How about the other young inside linebackers? Why should Giant fans be excited about this group? Well, I, I, I'm excited about it because, you know, Rock's been sort of the journeyman, you know, the, the underdog. Uh, uh, Kalitra Aust- you're talking yeah, about. Kalitra, yep. yeah, I call him Rock. Um, and all he's done here is make plays and, and made the team just because he made plays in preseason. And, you know, Dave said from the beginning, doesn't matter, you know, first round, undrafted, doesn't matter. We're going to keep the best players, and he he won him a spot with that. Um, uh, Micah has really come on, you know, he's he's come a long way, and I, I really think that he, there's going to be good things in his future because of the way he studies the game, the way he takes care of his body, the way he prepares every week, and uh, you know, I, I love seeing that. Cam is, you know, he's the special team demon that you know is going to have to carve out a role probably in the sub stuff for us initially, and then work his way into it. And uh, same thing with Carter. We just got to get him going uh, in, in the process. You know, of you know, he's a backup now, but a special teams guy. And the guys that you know, and I tell the defense, it's the guys that make plays on special teams. We'll carve out a role for you on defense because you know you don't get to dress enough guys. So as many guys as you dress, you want to try to play them as many times as you can, as much as you can. But you know, every game's different. Every situation's different. You mentioned moving the guys up front, and the linebackers. 
watching it, it looks like chaos when all those guys are standing up at the line. But we see you practice out there with the garbage cans, right? Right. During practice, lining them up. What's the science behind the chaos as a coach? Well, I think there's, you know, there's methods of here's how we're going to do it. And there's also principles, which, you know, those can change. And uh, once you get the players and, you know, going through the, you know, the walkthrough stuff, like you're saying with the cans and our concept period, uh, once you get them asking questions, that's when you know you have them. Hey, hey, Wink, can we, what do you think about this? You know, you either say no or, yeah, let's try it, let's do it. And if it's their idea, it'll work because they're going to make it work. You know, and uh, that's why, you know, the, the open communication that we have in the, in the meeting room is, is, is vital to our success because this is their defense. It's in their hands as the players because we don't go out there on the field on Sunday. So once they understand that and they know all the checks and they know what we can do with it, that's, that's when it gets to be a lot of fun. All right, final question. Uh, aside from Dory Jackson, who has a lot of experience, you have a relatively young and inexperienced cornerback crew, right? Mm-hmm. What do they need to be able to do well to execute a lot of that cover one, cover zero, man, press type of defense that you're, they're going to be asked to do? What are some of the things that fans can watch for when they're watching the games? They're like, all right, well, this guy's got it. He knows what he's supposed to do. And right. what do you keep an eye on when you watch the game? I, I think the biggest thing we're stressing right now is just stay on top of the routes. You know, and, uh, you know, whether it's man or whether it's blitz zero or, you know, what, what it could be quarters and it's still the same coverage to those guys on the outside. It's basically blitz zero coverage. Uh, so you just stay on top of the routes and, and study the game. And now, you know, initially I know that Rome, Jerome Henderson, you know, we, we wanted to get everybody pressing early like in that New England game just so they can understand here's what it is, here's how we have to do it. And even if they failed, at least you could correct it in the preseason. And then it looked like you backed off of that a little bit the second yep, two preseason yep, that's games. Exactly. So we can just get just just so they can learn their best technique and what they can play and when they can play it. So it, it's it's a process with the younger corners, and uh, you know I, I think that uh, the the starting group that we have is are, are up to the task, and we just got to keep building depth behind it. You've been happy with Darnay and Aaron and what they've shown you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I thought A Rob's had a good camp. I thought Darnay's had a good camp, very productive camp. Uh, want him to get some picks in the game. He, he's all his picks right now in practice, but that'll come, and they come in bunches. Wink, this was awesome. We appreciate right. the time, appreciate man. Thanks so much. Guys. Wink right. Martindale, Giants defensive coordinator. Good stuff from Wink Martindale there. We thank him for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Thomas McGahee is coming up next, but first a reminder, don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and World-class concerts in 2022 as a giant suite partner. Limited full-seasons locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or go to Giants.com slash suites for more information. And now we're joined by Giants Special Teams Coordinator Thomas McGahey. Coach, first, let's start with this. It's a weird week. We're talking on a Thursday and it's an off day? What the hell's going on? Yeah, it's it's a little different. You know, <laughs> I, you know going into week one, I guess the, uh, the rationale is giving them a, uh, a day off later in the week so they can get their legs back. And then, you know, off of a long weekend, you know, you have the cuts, and so you have to cut down the roster. So they kind of had a long weekend. You bring them back, let them go. And you don't want to give them too much time off, but you get those two days and then give them a little break and then come back, have a good Friday. I got to imagine, though, this week and a half, and it's more time now than before, which I'm sure is good, for a special teams coach has got to be a little frantic because no one is really more affected by – 
who the last few guys on the roster are more than you. So what has it been like now kind of absorbing what the 53 was, then seeing the other eight or nine changes that happened after that, and then kind of figuring out exactly what players you even have at your disposal to work with in week one? Yeah, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. It's, uh, It's literally like you have to do three different installs. So you do one in the spring when all the young guys and the veterans come back. Then you do another one at training camp. Right when everybody comes back, and then now it's a whole like I got a whole new group of guys. It's you know it's a lot of new faces. All the stuff that you taught back in in the spring, a lot of those guys don't know that stuff. So you you got to reteach it again, and you got to do it real fast, and you got you got to get prepared for week one. And uh, you know it's it's a lot, but you know again you just you know you don't make any excuses. You just make adjustments and keep moving. Now, as you know, Jeff Eagles works with us a lot, a mm-hmm. guy that you coached back in the day. Yep. And he, he, he always gives us a little hint. He goes, John, on the last preseason game, go count to see who's on the first few punt coverage teams, kick coverage teams. And that's probably a good guide to who has a good chance of making the roster from a special teams perspective. And I think if you go back, you look, Cam Brown, Carter Coughlin, Gary Brightwell, Antonio Williams. These no. are guys that had huge role in uh, uh, Chris Myrick, another guy. No who in that last preseason game played a lot of special team snaps. O'Shane Zimmon is another guy that was a, a key guy. So it does seem like you have a nice group that was even here last year, right? Mm-hmm. That that kind of still forms the core of your special teams coverage and return groups? Yeah, it's, it's hard because, you know, those guys in the preseason, you get so many limited reps in the preseason, and you want to get, you know, they got to get in game shape. They got to get game ready. So those guys have to get those reps. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those deals. They have to get the reps. So you just got to keep playing them. And, but they're not going to get a lot of reps. You know what I mean? In the preseason, you see – and you're seeing it more now with the analytics. You know, people are going forward on fourth and one, fourth and two. And normally that's a punting situation or, you know, you get in a plus area. Uh, you know, say you're at the plus 38 and it's fourth and one to two. Most of the time that's a field goal. Well, nowadays it's – people are going for you know so our our reps are limited but you got to get those cast of guys going you know you got to start forming a core and just trying to figure out who you have and what they can do you know I mentioned some of those guys already who else should fans keep an eye on as guys that could develop into your core special teamers that'll be on all those returning coverage teams oh man you know we got a bunch of young guys that are that are working their tails off you know I'll say this um, Trent Thompson is a guy we probably need to watch for. He he does it. He's been doing a really good job for us, and uh, you know Dane Belton is another guy that's gonna, you know, as as he gets healthier, you know, he'll be a part of the core. So it's it's gonna be fun watching these guys develop. You know, you mentioned not a lot of reps. You guys practice. You have two periods of special teams in, in mm-hmm. every practice over the summer, but from a layman's perspective, I, I see what you do in practice and you mimic it the best you can, but. Once you're not, I mean, do you really are the reps really all that useful until you get pads on and you're going full speed, flying down a field in the game? Because it's impossible to mimic that tempo and just the physicality of, of the violence and the hitting. So, do you really not get what you need to go until you start getting those real in-game reps? Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you you can do as much as you can to simulate the speed and practice, but nothing's like a game rep, you know. And uh, we try and. Simulate as as much as we can, but there's nothing like going out in the game. Ball goes up in the air. You're flying down the field. You got to read the guy's leverage. You got to read his shoulders. See how he's trying to block you. Is a double team coming? You know, is a guy coming from the other side? What's his drop angle? Where's the ball? Like all of that stuff and the speed of it, it's a lot. 
you know, and the only way you can simulate is get in the game and do it. What are you looking for, for in a core special teams player? Is, is height, weight, speed, and physicality important? Because you're covering, frankly, yes. just so much speed and distance. Yeah. But I know there's a mental part of it, too. So what are the things you're looking for when you're trying to identify those core special teams? You know, teams? I, I love big speed, you know, big, strong, physical guys that can run and make good decisions. Uh, but more importantly than anything, he has to be selfless. You know, that guy has to be um, – not thinking about himself, but thinking about his teammate. Because you might get and an A on the play, even though you're nowhere near making the play, right? Absolutely. Your job might be to take on the double team and drive through it, and you're going to get crushed. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get pushed sure. all the way to the sideline. you got two guys trying to beat you up, but you might free up another guy to get down the field and make a play. So guys like that that are willing to do the tough and nasty uh, – thankless jobs those are the guys that you want on your special teams unit because at some point in time they're going to be the guy that's going to make the play and some point in time they're going to be the guy that's not going to quote-unquote make the play so we're looking for guys that that are selfless I know it's probably tough for an old school special teams guy like you but has kickoff return and kick coverage just because of the number of times you're actually doing it now is that less a priority for you guys in terms of preparation and putting the roster together than punt return and punt coverage now just because of the number of reps? Yeah, for us, because we don't just kick touchbacks like Graham has the ability to kick the ball 10 rows deep every time, but we don't do that. We keep the ball. We hang the ball up. We try and make the you other team. want the team, hang time, right? Yeah, yeah, well, we want the other team to have to uh, return kickoffs because a lot of teams, just because of what you said, a lot of teams don't like doing it now. So we're going to try and make them mm. do it. Right, so if they they have a guy back there, maybe a young player is not as good, uh, you know, or, or uh, they're catching the ball at the on the goal line, taking a step back and trying to take a knee, you know, uh, we're gonna try and force the issue. So we we look at it differently, uh, you know, as a team schematically. But you're right, as a whole in the league, you're only averaging probably three returns, four returns a game, you know, which is a lot different than how it used to be, where you returned every kick. You know, and you had to cover every kick. So, yeah, it's a little different. Punt, punt, return. You know, that's where you're getting most of your reps now. But even with that, with the analytics, it's being cut down. So, sure. you gotta, you know, you gotta take advantage of the ones you get. When you're determining who might be a good kick returner versus a good punt returner, what's the difference in the skill sets you want from those two players? Very similar skill sets, but uh, the kickoff return has to be a little bit more durable because he's physical, gonna, yeah, right? he's gonna yeah. have to take some shots, and, and you know, that's it's. That's that's just the play. Like it's it's a violent play, um, but you you have to be able to hold up. And uh, yeah, that, that's only the really probably the real difference. You, as a punt returner, you got to be a really good decision maker. Uh, you got to understand. You got to have a, a presence of feeling the the coverage coming down on top of you. Okay, where am I on the field? Am I on the eight yard line? Am I on the six yard line? You know what I mean? Like you have to have that kind of wherewithal uh, to be back there. And I think the other decision making that's underrated. Tom, is whether or not to run up and catch it, right? Right. You know, even if you're around the 30-yard line or so, you know, you run up into traffic, you're looking down at the guys coming at you, looking at the ball, but if you let it bounce, then you might lose 15 or 20 yards of field position. So how do you you coach that part of it up? Well, we always, when we we tell our guys to run up, when they're running up, they always got to protect themselves with a fair catch. You know, so if I got to sprint into a crowd, I'm never going to sprint into the crowd and not try and fair catch the ball that's you're putting yourself at risk you're putting our team at risk turn the ball over so uh, that's that's kind of how we deal with that 
And, and what's your line in terms of catching it near the goal line? Is it you put your feet just, on the 10? or it, it just depends on who we're playing that I week. I got you. Uh, some guys are really, really good at pinning it inside the five. So we might one week we might catch one at the six oh, okay. or at the seven, uh, and then some of them are just okay. And no, normally the line of demarcation is probably the nine or ten yard line, and uh, and we'll go from there. But each guy's different. You know, some of these guys are really, really good at down at punting the ball inside the five. Gunners, what are you looking for in a gunner, and and how do you decide Speed. who your gunners are going to be? Speed. That's that's the number one thing. You have to be able to run fast. That's a, a position to where if you're not fast, it is going to show up really quick. And, you know, the gunners, all your punt coverage, it starts with your gunners. You know, so they're the first one to be able to release down the field. And if they can't get off the line and can't force the punt, as a punt unit, you're in trouble. Because when you look at all the big punt returns that happen in the league, what happens is the gunners get blocked. And then once the gunners get blocked, you don't have a force player. So you got to be able to get down the field. You got to have speed, get on the edge in the game, and be smart to make good decisions as you get down the field. How valuable is it for you and a luxury to have pros like Casey Kreider and Graham Gano that have been doing this forever and they're just such professionals and so good at what they do as, their, as your long snapper and field goal kicker? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing, definitely. It's, you know, I always call a long snapper. He's a quarterback of the special teams, you know, and Casey's done an outstanding job with his leadership and how he works. Uh, and then Graham's like a metronome. Like he's just – he's consistent. He's he's always trying to work to get better. And uh, he's done a really good job for us on and off the field. So having those two guys is really a true blessing. I'll get to Jamie Gillen last in a second. Mm -hmm. Personal pump protector. How do you decide the guy that's valuable for that? Because that also, if you guys end up at some point do some trickery, I know that guy's often involved in that trickery too. So yeah. what are you looking for when you're figuring out who's going to be your personal pump protector? You know, it's, it's like Dave's always talks about in, in, a, in a normal player that we're looking for, a smart, tough, and dependable player. Uh, that guy, has he's the quarterback of the, of the punt team. So he makes all the calls. Uh, he has to be smart. He has to be um, – he has to have the anticipatory management skills, and you have to trust uh, him, right? Yeah, absolutely, and that—that's probably the biggest thing, because he, you know, we always say punt's the most important play in football, because when you punt, you win, right? So that guy has to steer the ship, you know. So if if the ship's going in the wrong direction, we're in trouble, right? So that guy, as a personal protector, uh, Julian Love, who's our personal protector, uh, he's probably the guy I'd trust the most. All right, final question. Jamie Gillen, you know, he's been in the league a while. He's done it a lot. But talking to Jeff Eagles, he still says, John, you got to understand, this guy is still relatively new to punting. Yes. So how do you kind of balance those things and, and make sure you get him ready? Because he has all the physical tools you want to, to hit it high if you need it, to directional if you want it, mm -hmm. to boom it if you need him to. So what's the process with just refining his skill set so he can give you exactly what you need on any given play? Uh, with Jamie, we're just trying to find uh, a comfort zone for him. Uh, what does he like to do? How does he like to do it? Uh, how many times a week are we going to work on skill A, B, or C? Uh, and then narrowing down how we're going to move forward. You know what I mean? Like one week we might be focused on a certain kick. The next week we might be focused on another one. But just finding a comfort zone for him to where he can relax and be himself. I know it was a harrowing experience. When you look back, though, are you happy now? that you actually lost Graham for part of that preseason game. So now you know if you get into yeah. a game, you're like, yo, we're ready to go. Yeah. I mean, it's – I knew, you know, he did all three in college, so mm -hmm. I knew he had that in him, and he kicked off as a rookie. But so. Julian, too, right? Getting yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a whole other different animal. I, You know, I, I, 
I applaud Julian for uh, for volunteering for that job. I'll give you a quick story. So the, we're out there on the field, and Casey snapped one to him, and the first one just looked terrible. I was like, oh, my gosh. There's no way he's going to be able to do this. And it took him, you know, two, three reps, and it was like – it was amazing. Like, Julian, he, he is – he he took about three steps up that day for me on, on my uh, love you guy type uh, list. You know that that dude, what he did was was amazing, and just that and just like didn't blink. It's like yeah, I'll do it, and had never done it before, and it just shows you what kind of guy he is, what type of what type of athlete he is to be able to you know have that hand eye coordination to do it, and in front of forty fifty thousand people. You know, so no, it was it was awesome, and he seemed to enjoy it too. Like he just seems to love embracing that sort of stuff, yeah, man. He, he's he's a different guy. He's a, he's a special guy, and uh, you know, you wish you had you know eleven more like him. You know, coach, this was fun, man. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Thomas Begay, we thank you for joining us on the Giants Huddle Podcast. Thanks for being with us all day, everybody. As we talk to all the Giants coordinators, we'll see you next time, everybody. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.